um, I feel like Mark Hamill would be really great at, uh, at an audio series, like a meditation audio series, you know, where he, <laughs> he <laughs> just breathe, just breathe, <laughs> just breathe. Just breathe. Now yeah. reach out and I'd be like, yeah, I'm reaching out, man. Like, I feel great. Like, <laughs> please talk. Like, I want to tweet at him and be like, please record some meditation because I would, I would do that. Alright, welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode number 270, which in dog years is like 1,840. I can't believe we made it this Did you actually do those maths? I think I did, right? Is that, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's right. That's impressive. Uh, Sounds right. uh, I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Scott. And I'm Ash. And we're all here together. It's nice to have you back. Yeah, man. Welcome back. Thanks, guys. Welcome back um, to the I'm show. I'm bummed that I wasn't actually in Orlando like a lot of people apparently thought I was from a single Facebook post. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. When, when your own wife is like, my husband's going to Orlando. We're all like, what? That's great. <laughs> I got like texts and stuff that are like, hey, how long are you in town? I'm like, I am not. I'm on my couch in Brooklyn right now. Yeah. I messaged Scott. I'm like, is Matt going to try and surprise us? This will be great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could not. Yeah. Easter weekend, man. What a it was a not a, a travel friendly weekend. So it was a little rough. It was a it well, was a I mean, crazy time it's... down at the convention center too. So yeah, especially yeah. on crazy that time. Fr- yeah, especially on, on United. If you know what I'm talking about, hey, hey. topical humor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, <laughs> let's see. So we're all back together, and this week on the podcast, we're going to do sort of a Star Wars celebration recap which um, includes like a ton of news that came out of the convention. So even if you weren't there, um, you'll be able to follow along because we'll talk about the trailer, Star Wars Battlefront 2, um, what's going on with Rebels, the new uh, Forces of Destiny uh, series of shorts. And then uh, did we have a question? Yeah, well, I asked questions. Um, I asked people to, to send us questions for our live show, but we didn't end up having time for them in the live show because of... Uh, the technical issues that we had for we the can live talk show. about that. Yeah. So yeah, so we uh, we have them now. Okay, so this episode is brought to you by uh, Audible. Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com/ratednA and pick up a free audiobook download with a new um, subscription. But you can cancel any time. So if you decide that Audible is not for you, you still get your free audiobook. But um, hopefully, you decide to stay. Um, I'm subscribing to Audible right now and have heard a bunch of great stories. That's actually how I'm keeping up with the uh star wars i guess what do you call it the new expanded universe i guess is what you might call it or the the book series Mm -hmm. but um you know i I picked up uh thrawn and i've been following the aftermath trilogy and there was some great stories about uh ahsoka and so on so uh there's plenty of books on audible star wars and not star wars but a lot of star wars books um uh, ash has the pick this week and his pick is a book that we both like which is star wars dark disciple yeah, so this this book's absolutely fantastic. It's uh, kind of based on lost stories from the Clone Wars, and we actually talked about this on the show a long time ago, but I, I felt like I should bring it up again because it's written by Christy Golden, and uh, Dark Disciple follows the adventures of uh, Asajj Ventress, and it's sort of her her final adventures prior to the events of, uh, you know, pr- prior to... <laughs> 
prior to the the new trilogy. So you, kind of what happens, uh, you know, after the Clone Wars with Asajj Ventress. Uh, it's an incredibly great story, very very well written, super exciting. There's all sorts of great appearances by, by various bounty hunters and Kenobi, and uh, it's just it's absolutely fantastic. And one of the reasons why this is my current Audible pick is because Christy Golden is writing the uh, pregame novelization for Star Wars Battlefront Two, so you're actually going to get to see the adventures of Inferno Squad. Um, yes, uh, we'll talk about that a little later the in the show. Yeah. Prior to the game coming out. So Christy Golden is writing a Star Wars Battlefront 2 novel based on the character of Iden Versio, which is the main character in Battlefront 2. So uh, check out Dark Disciple and enjoy it. Cool. All right, let's move along. Why don't we start by talking about our our uh, experience at the at the podcast center? Right. I mean, uh, oh, so I mean, I'll start off. I, I guess I should preface this by saying it was... Um, one of my favorite con experiences um, ever, just not just because of the live show, just because you know, on Sunday I brought my son and it was really cool watching him, you know, at the convention, like playing with robots and, you know, he's not even, not even one yet, but like watching him experience all of that and, and kind of just like the wonder of him seeing all that Star Wars stuff was great. And then, you know, I saw some, some old friends one of the days I was down there and it was just like the overall convention experience. I went all four days, was just fantastic. So, um, the show itself was, was great. And we'll talk about a lot of the specific things that happened there. Um, we were the first podcast to go on the podcast stage. So we were the ones who had to experience a lot of the, the technical hurdles, yeah. uh, of the, of the specific room. So I guess the first thing is that we got there and the room was locked <laughs> and it was locked up until, um, I don't need, it would have been locked through our show had they not like broken in so we had a nice guy that worked for read pop that like broke into the room for us essentially got us in there and then when we got there there were uh no mics um so (laughs) we actually had a a list of like all the you know all the stuff that they were supposed to provide for us and you know it was a a pretty sizable list of stuff and we brought all all of our extra equipment but we got in there we're supposed to have four mics for the table and there were none and uh we just kind of sat there and you know, people started walking in and they would just kind of look in the room and leave because there was nothing going on, which was a bummer. And then, um, you know, we watched our time tick by and we're like, oh, like we were supposed to start at noon and it was like 12, 15. We still had no mics. And we're just like, this is just a disaster. It was funny, man, because is- at one point, yeah. um, one of the like audio techs came by and he's like, hey, what's going on? And I was like, he always oh, like, do you have everything you need? And I was like, no, we don't. Uh, we're waiting on microphones. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay, sorry. He's like, I'll go get you some right now. And he's like, at that point, it was 12.15. And he goes, what time are you supposed to start? And I said, noon. <laughs> and he was like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, looked at his watch and was like, oh, crap. Um, we could back yeah. up a step, too, and say that um, we, I, I think without you, the show would not have happened at all because uh, you had the wherewithal to go down to the convention center the day prior on Wednesday night to go and pick up your your media badge, right? And, um, yeah, I had a, I just had a feeling that, um, you know, Orange County Convention Center, uh, in Orlando is one of the biggest in the country. It's, it, it's absolutely massive. I looked it and, up. It's the second largest, uh, in North America, I think. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and 
big conventions um, at big convention centers, they tend to just not run like well-oiled machines in the beginning. And this is just coming from someone who's been to a million Comic-Cons in San Diego. Like Comic-Con has gotten better every year, but it used to be absolutely insane. Like you used to have to line up just to get into convention center like the day before and like line up the night before to get tickets for the next year. And it was always just kind of, you know, the people that plan conventions learn from their mistakes. So I, you know, I saw that you could pick up badges early the day before. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do that because last thing I want to do is have a, you know, a live show at 12 and us not be able to get in the door. You know, I just, I mean, uh, I just thought for the life of me, I was like, cause you know, I'd, I'd gone to even celebrations in the past there, but I, I'm assuming because of, you know, additional security concerns or whatever, um, they, on the first day they lined, um, every single person up through one door, uh, for the convention, which basically turned into a line that went in front of the convention center, went around the back of the building into the parking lot behind the convention center, and then snaked back around into the front door again. So, um, I think if it weren't for you having a pass already, that kind of got us through like a secret entrance, uh, the show would not have happened at all. But that being said, once we got going and got everything started actually was like surprisingly smooth, which was nice. Um, yeah, it was, it was neat doing it live. Like, uh, you know, it was something we really hadn't done, um, especially with, you know, playing all of our music bumpers and stuff live and because we always we always record the show basically to tape and then you know clean it up and then put it out but um doing it live was really cool it was it gave it a a different sort of energy which you can you can probably hear us like speed talking our way through it you know we we sound like i noticed that we sound like we're at so much caffeine in our bodies my my voice sounded more like nervous or anxious than i actually felt on stage and when i went back and listened to it i was like man i sound like really like hyper like on the on the recording and um, it was funny because we had a half an hour uh, bumper time in between us and the next podcast, which was Chris Gore's pod crash. And so um, once I saw him in the hallway around uh, one, I jumped off the stage in the middle of the show and ran over to him. And I was like, hey, man, is it cool if we go 15 minutes late? Uh, because there's a half an hour time in between. He looks at me and he goes, are you the producer? And I was like, no, I'm on stage right now. And he's like, oh shit, you better get back in there. He's like, yeah, it's no problem, man. Just go get out of here. And I was like, oh, sorry, dude. Uh, I was like, thanks. And so I ran back in there. And- yeah, honestly, big kudos to him because he and, and the, the folks he was podcasting with were, were incredibly gracious. Oh, were so That's the only, reason, the only reason why that show is like 45 minutes and not like 25 minutes you know oh so, yeah he, he was totally so that awesome. was really cool he was very very nice but um, um and then so the yeah other, the experience was great yeah the other thing i want to mention i i also thought it was uh really touching the the story that uh the uh, gentleman from the audience kyle i think his name is kyle shared with us um about like his experience watching um star wars with his father on vhs tape who you know unfortunately was in the military and passed away but um like that was like their their memory of of bonding over the original Star Wars films, watching them, you know, watching the original cuts of those movies on VHS tape when they were stationed in Germany. So, um, it was really awesome that he, uh, it was really, uh, nice that he shared that story with us and it was very, uh, touching and, uh, um, just kind of shows that, you know, how Star Wars brings people together and like how people connect over generations with it, which I thought was, um, really nice of him to share as well. So thank you. Yeah, thank there was you a lot of Kyle that. For, there was a lot of up. that at the show. Like it had a very, um, I don't know the, the vibe of the show. I, I don't know if it had because of, you know, what happened with Carrie Fisher or, or what, but there was a lot of emotion at this particular convention. It wasn't just like a, I felt like it was just a, like a deeper experience than just, um, 
you know, selling stuff or trying to plug a product. It had a very sort of familial um, warmth to it for a, for a convention, which yeah. is sounds strange, but I, I, there was something a little bit different no, about I it, think, which I, I think really enjoyed. Right. I think because it was the 40th anniversary celebration and like the, you know, matriarch of the, of the, you know, whole thing wasn't even, uh, wasn't, you know, able to be there. Unfortunately, um, I do think it kind of added like a bit of gravity to the convention that would not have otherwise been there, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, without her presence. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a, a different convention, but it, you know, I always thought star Wars was a different kind of convention because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's basically one property, right? <laughs> like it's a whole convention centered around one property that has many facets of course, but, um, uh, yet there's still people in Deadpool cosplay, which <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that that's everything you know. Yeah. Is yeah, this MegaCon? What's going on? Um, well, why don't we why don't we move on and uh, talk about the trailer? Do you have anything else to say about about Celebration? No, I mean I think we'll touch on uh, some of the stuff we saw and some of the stuff we we did and and you know some of the big announcements uh, in this particular show. But but yeah, you know it was a great experience. You know, and, and, and in retrospect, it was really cool of them to. Um, we were one of I think one of maybe two out of twenty. 23 or 24 podcasts that were chosen and like there were only two of us that weren't uh strictly star wars podcasts so that was really pretty cool yeah to, i noticed to, that too to I let look, us do that i looked so, at the schedule and i said i was like i was like hey man all of these are star wars themed podcasts except for like us and one other other show which is uh which is cool that we were selected and um, yeah hopefully next time we get picked and matt can be there too and it can be a whole uh family thing I, I mean, I can tell you, Matt, it scratches that itch of like being on stage again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like as soon as, you know, after we were done, I think it was all a blur. And then once I went back and started listening to it again, I was like, yeah, I want to do that again. So we're going to have to find, it was fun. find oh, other yeah. opportunities and, and to do live special shows. Special thanks to, uh, to Nerf Herder for letting us use that song. They, I reached out to them and they're like, go ahead and do it. So, yeah. We, we can't we, repeat that enough us, since we included yeah. it like in the, in the publication of the podcast. I was like, oh yeah. my God, please, please tell us you got permission to use this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, somewhere cool. written, right. written somewhere. Well, let's talk well, about let's the talk trailer. About, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, where where did you guys first see the trailer? Because I have a really kind of an interesting trailer watching experience. Yeah, I was gonna say mine's a little different. I mean, I it think was I was on my computer I think, at work. Yeah. <laughs> were you Matt? Were you watching the panel live as it was streaming? Uh, no. Okay. No, I couldn't. Yeah. The the best part about the trailer launching on that Thursday or whatever was that throughout the day. Uh, or maybe it was a Friday, whichever day it went throughout the day. Um, you would hear it on somebody else's laptop in the office, like <laughs> just come up all of a like it just, yeah. it would like slowly ping pong around the office where people were watching it. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was watching the live stream and I think I was texting Ash in real time, like as it was happening and I was like, Oh my God, dude, they're going to play it. They're going to, it's coming. Here, here we go. <laughs> uh, and then I guess Ash, you were, you were there like on somewhere on the convention well, floor. Well, I was, it was crazy. So, um, our friend drew actually got into that panel. He like waited in line and got into the last Jedi really? panel. So he really? was, he was texting me and he was like, I'm in. And I was like, Oh man. Cause I had just gotten out of a, some sort of panel or something prior to that, that I, I wasn't able to make it, um, in time to actually get into last Jedi panel, which I really wanted to see. So I was actually on the show floor when it aired live, but they were doing the star Wars live show, um, from the, from the, um, star Wars, uh, celebration floor so you could actually see a big screen of what was going on you, in the panels at all times you floor. mean the star wars show is the one you're referring to right yeah. the, the one that you know they do like a weekly star wars show yes um 
and so they actually aired the 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 new trailer like in real time as it was airing on the panel and the entire show floor and we're talking like at this point like 30,000 people <laughs> sort of like rush this this screen and the entire floor like the merch floor everything just froze and was dead silent and it was the craziest thing i've ever seen at a con um I, just the, behaviorally i mean all of a sudden everyone it just stopped moving stared at the trailer and i watched it from like I, sh- I took a picture for you guys and said, I think I put it in Slack, but I, I was like maybe a hundred yards back and I can only see half the damn screen. And that's like the first time I watched it, I was like, well, I saw part of it. <laughs> I, know yeah. there's, I know there's some ships and I know like sort of what's going on, but it was just amazing watching that many people get that excited. Um, Cause you know, uh, from what I understand, they really teased that they, 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 they of course saved it for the very end of the panel and then uh, made it seem like they were not going to, uh, <laughs> you know, was, air, air. That was trailer, amazing. Yeah. yeah like yeah. you could, you could hear like the, um, the wind go out of the room on the panel because I think, uh, what the director's name is Ryan, Ryan Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was like, and so, uh, he's like now, and everybody's like, <gasps> he's like, I want to show everybody. <gasps> the poster for the movie and everybody was like, and you could, you could hear the grumbling and he kind of like, he kind of gave everybody like a grin and he's like, so here's the poster. And then he kind of started to walk off stage. He's like, okay, no, no. He's like, we got a trailer. It's cool. We're going to show it. Don't worry about it. Like everybody's like, okay. Like people are going to pass out. I think, um, what, what was the scene like on the floor after the trailer played? Did people like high five each other and hug and cry and stuff? Like what was, yeah, it was, it was, pretty cool i mean that's the, i think like, like you were saying it's it's a, a very specific convention everyone there obviously loves star wars in some capacity so you know showing this new trailer was a huge deal and everyone was exactly you know tearing up and high-fiving and and just you know talking about it right there on the scene so it was it was neat um and a lot of a lot of really positive energy and of course they played it like over and over again on that big screen you know mm-hmm. for the next couple days so you got a chance to see it um no matter what, I actually remember <laughs> as soon as it was done on that big screen, I went and found like a dark corner and pulled out my cell phone and uh, put some headphones in and watched it on my phone because it was better quality. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it, it was really cool. Let, let's actually talk about um, some of the content of the trailer because it actually doesn't reveal a whole heck of a lot, but there were some cool things. Um, that it showed it obviously kind of begins with um, a Ray training montage, like Ray training with Luke and uh, you know, sh- shows her using the blue lightsaber and uh, kind of going through you know, in a very similar way to what Luke was going through on Dagobah, you know, like just get kind of getting his ass kicked and her getting her ass kicked. And wh- what did you guys think about the Ray training stuff? Is that like, like exactly what you were expecting or were you expecting something a little different? I thought the shot, the pullback shot of her on the mountain where it reveals Luke standing across from her, like it's like way far mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. You just see her with the lightsaber. I thought that was a gorgeous shot. I mean, I don't I don't know that I had high expectations for a training montage or anything, but I thought that shot was really cool. And I was like, oh, this, this looks like the movie's got a lot of care put into it. So, yeah, it was very yeah, striking. I felt the same way. Um, yeah, I felt the same way. It's interesting. You know, I, I guess I have questions about things that we didn't see so maybe i'll hold those until we talk about what we did see which is um you know we saw sort of a a montage which included like whispers from from yoda and obi-wan is it was what i think i heard in the trailer um we saw uh kylo ren's uh smashed helmet on the ground i thought that was darth vader's smashed helmet no i think you can see like some of the the metallic like the silver metallic bits which were 
When uh, she says and darkness, that line? Yeah, I think that's his Is helmet. That really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um and then we saw like some really great um visuals with the um with like there's like land speeders where they were kind of uh drawing a line in the dirt and the red the red dirt was puffing out in the background. I thought that was really cool. That was a great shot. Um as they were approaching uh the the walkers on the battlefield. Um, I actually learned something about that today from okay. uh this star Wars site that researches the crap out of stuff that I, that I check out on occasion, but that apparently is a, an Imperial world where they do a lot of mining. And that's actually where the first order was getting a lot of their wealth from to actually build star killer base. I wow. guess it's a, like a very ore rich planet. And so, um, that is either, uh, going to be a, like a rebel strike against the first order or the first order defending that particular planet because it's so rich, but, um, that's, that's really you know, cool. That's it's a, really it's cool. a brand new planet, I guess that they're, that they're adding to, to the canon for this movie. Nice. Nice. And then we saw, you know, of course we saw millennium Falcon flying around doing stuff and, um, who's the pilot now? That's my question. Who's the pi- is it okay. Chewie's ship? Well, let me, let me ask you. I mean, that's what, one of the things I wanted to get to is because technically, uh, Chewbacca's life debt has concluded, right? Right. He's um, free. Yeah. So like, what, what does he do now? Like as far, I mean, not even in the movie, but what does he do now? You know, like if he wanted to, he could just be like, well, I'm going to go back and clean up Kashyyyk, I guess, you know, cause like there's still work to be done, uh, on Kashyyyk. So that's certainly. Unless that, does that life debt carry over into Han's offspring? Cause if that's the case, then his life debt is to Kylo Ren, yeah. which is a very complicated situation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that's something we'll need to find out. Um, and you know, to that point, we didn't even really see, a lot of Kylo Ren or even like something I was, cause I keep watching the trailer and it, it gets a little better every time I watch it. But something that I realized is that like the, you know, obviously the, the first order is the, the enemy, I guess the antagonist of, of the, of the narrative, but like, it's not really clear who the individual antagonist is in this film, you know, cause we see Kylo Ren right. briefly, but we don't know what his deal is. Right. And so, Right. Um, we see lots of explosions and people running to and from things and ships flying to and from things, but we don't, we don't know what the conflict is in this particular film. And I think that's going to be interesting to find out as well. Well, it kind of looked like, um, what's her name? Uh, Phasma. Yeah. Phasma is kind of leading shit at this point. Yeah. Right. Like you see her kind of like with a battalion behind her walking in and the yeah, AT-AT. And all was that, stuff. was that a flashback or was that a sure. current yeah. time? Like these are all all good questions to to have but yeah yeah, yeah i don't know i mean there there, there are rumors and, and speculation that um there's a line in uh the force awakens where the first order says something to the effect of yeah we know where the rebel base is but right after they say that star killer base gets destroyed so they knew where the rebel base was so it, people are speculating that that explosion is the first order um actually going after the the rebel base oh like a retaliation um, if you will yeah yeah striking back if you will oh <laughs> striking back nicely done um let's yeah. see uh what else was in here oh um can we talk about how amazing the music is for this trailer for a second yeah. um it kind of takes you on this like remarkable roller coaster of like emotions as we go you know because it's all kind of like one soundtrack but it's almost like a, a mixtape soundtrack or like a greatest hits tune um and the thing that gets me every time is that little flute that plays when you see you know, Prince, uh, general, uh, Leia from the back, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. um, like that gets me every time. And then sort of like, I feel like there's this, like this musical theme that 
I've not really heard specifically in Star Wars before, which is kind of like that, that kind of like sweeping uh, music that plays like when um, you see the Millennium Falcon for the first time, and it kind of like has this like rise and fall wave to it. It almost reminds me of, of like a, a tune you'd hear in like an RPG to kind of like express how epic in nature, like the, 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 the world or the narrative is. And I, I don't know, it kind of stands out to me as like, um, as like a musical theme that you haven't really heard in such great intensity in a star Wars film prior. Did you guys notice it that? It still feels like completely, uh, within the John Williams kind of oh, range absolutely. of, yes. Like, I feel like he has his own word for his like glissando that he does at the beginning of every, like, like that, mm-hmm. like, like that slow buildup of like alternating notes that just happens yeah. at, at like the opening of all of his trailers and movies and stuff. I feel like he must have his own, his own word. He just writes down like a word and they're like, Oh, that sound. Yeah. yeah. We got that covered. But, but that's, I mean, that's what makes it amazing. Right. Is that if that trailer had no dialogue at all and you just watch the trailer with the visuals and the, the backing track, you would still know what, yeah. the, what the movie was about. You oh know? yeah. Like, absolutely. you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you know, you'd be like, wow, there's, there's combat and it's an adventure and Oh, something ominous is happening at the end of the trailer. And like, yeah. you, you would still get yeah. the gist of it, which is, which is really incredible. And it really made me, um, excited and then, you know, obviously if you remove the music from the trailer and you just leave in like the ADR or whatever they call it, um, I feel like Mark Hamill would be really great at uh, at an audio series, like a meditation audio series, you know, where he, <laughs> he just breathe, just breathe, <laughs> just breathe, just breathe. Now yeah. reach out. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm reaching out, man. Like, I feel great. Like, <laughs> please, t- like, I want to tweet at him and be like, please record some meditation because I would I would do that. Like. I'm sure like the headspace app is already having him do it. Yeah. I mean, of course it would be amazing. Like it's so, it's so nice just to listen to him speak for 15 seconds that, um, uh, like I'm already on board with whatever is going to happen in this film because it's, that's it. I mean, he's incredible obviously. So, and just so um, speaking of him moving to the, to the line, the closing yes. line, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it not feel like all of the most powerful Jedi just realized too late all the bullshit that surrounds the Jedi? <laughs> like they're like, oh, we shouldn't have done all that. Yeah, I got yeah. it now. <laughs> like, maybe, like his whole "it's time to end" kind of thing. Maybe they they found out the thing that you've known for years, which is like your gripe about, um, you know, RPGs, is that sometimes it's okay to be gray. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I I kind of read it as like it's time for the Jedi to end because it's like it was stuffy and polarizing and maybe maybe there are shades in between like in the force. Cause they talk a lot about the balance. Right. And he says, I read it so much bigger. I read it as that. And, and also sort of as a, like, Oh, this became, you know, uh, a political tool and not really a thing about, mm-hmm. about balance and about, you know, the force. It, it kind of became something else entirely and, and really kind of ate itself essentially at a so, certain point. So do you feel as if, what do you, let me ask you what you think. Maybe one of two things you can tell me which one you think is more true. Do you think that sort of this idea of an organized band of whatever regarding force users is going to disappear when the Jedi end? Or do you think that the end of the Jedi is going to give rise to some, you know, more like calibrated, um, you know, organization of like force wielding, you know, protectors of the, of the galaxy, which one do you think is, will happen in it's the film. interesting i feel like i feel like in a lot of ways like the more the more you, you learn about the force just from different you know different books and and 
different properties within this, you know, within Star Wars. It, it is this this all encompassing thing, and the Jedi just used it for kind of what they wanted to use it for it was their interpretation of it, right? So it's like it's almost like if you look at any religion and and you see them all as sort of having the same fundamental properties, um, they're just interpreted in different ways. And I feel like both the Sith and the Jedi interpret the Force just differently. And I think there is a, a way to intuper- interpret it. Uh, from a, a neutral perspective that isn't self-serving, right? Mm-hmm. One that is is just about kind of living in harmony with, with the rest of the universe and kind of just living your life. Um, Jedi ended up using it to, uh, you know, not, not only as a political tool, as you guys said, but also one to l- limit the power of the Force, right? The fact that, you know, they wouldn't allow Jedi to feel emotions. They wouldn't allow Jedi to to feel love or to reproduce. And all those things are kind of, um, you know, like stifling what a Jedi or what a Force user could become yes. you know, out of fear. So I think, I think I'm getting a little too deep here, but I think like, you know, maybe that's something that Luke is going to discover that the, the force, the way the Jedis were using it was, you know, was flawed. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. flawed. Well, but I, don't you also think that the, the notion that, um, as long as there are Jedis, there will be Sith. And if there's going to be balance, there can't be either essentially. So I like that. I like that interpretation. So, yeah, and, and like I feel like the the political tool thing to me is that neither the Sith nor the Jedi were ever not a tool of politics, you know, whether they wanted to or not, or whether they were in control of it or not at different times. You know, I think this all goes to like me just finishing Clone Wars, really, but also like the depth that Clone Wars went into on this like notion of what Jedi's and Siths were in the in the world that surrounded them, and then you think about how you know, once the empire took over, they did the same thing with the Sith that they were doing, that the Republic was doing with the Jedi, right? Like they, these became just like battering ram tools essentially to, to put out and do whatever their bidding was, even though it was a Sith Lord running it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at a certain point. So it's like, I think there's like two sides of it to me. One is that there can't be balance with, with either one existing in any kind of force. And then the other is that, um, I think Luke knows that if they like rejoin as the Jedi or if they try to rebirth this Jedi movement, that it's just going to become part of this new Republic as like a political tool and no longer as, you know, kind of what he found when he left probably. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's spot on. And if you, I mean, if like to your point, like I think if you look at the fact that he tried to train a whole new group of people and then it just gave rise to more darkness, like it could have been, that could have been the uh, discovery he made. I had another point, but I lost it. So, whatever. I mean, dude's been sitting on a mountain meditating for however long. So yeah. he probably <laughs> he's probably figured some stuff out. I guess, right? Yep. And I mean, there's also <laughs> like hope. a is it appears to be a sizable gap in uh, in Obi Wan's um, yeah history as well that maybe we'll uh, learn more about him hopefully because yeah. it's, it seems to be something they are teasing tiptoeing around. Certainly, they teased about it. You know, they teased it in in. Um, the force awakens right so i'd love to see uh you know if if and anything... a little in rogue one sort of but yeah yeah absolutely i mean i guess not in rogue one but yeah yes i know what you mean yeah mm-hmm. that's the rumor that we're gonna get an obi-wan film but we'll see oh yeah that's right yeah so i don't yeah. know uh, i mean there was also a oh the other, i know what the point was i was gonna make is that um even looking at it as a like now looking at it as a property and not a universe. I think something that has been really emphasized lately in the star Wars universe is that anybody can be a, her- a hero. And I feel like that topic came up many times on the panels, like over the weekend as well. 
And so, um, you know, if you take away this notion that like, you have to be somebody like only Jedi's can be heroes. Right. And then that kind of is almost restricting in itself. And then you look at, um, you know, how they're introducing new characters like Rose and saying like, you know, Rose didn't ask to be thrust into this. And she, you know, had a job that wasn't like fighting on the front lines, but then, you know, she finds that, you know, she needs to become a hero as well. And, you know, pretty much anyone can become a hero if they, you know, if they try and, you know, do all the, do all the things that you need to do. So I feel like in kind of like breaking down this hierarchy of like, Oh, only the Jedi can be heroes. I think it, it opens up the door to, you know, basically allow people to choose their own destiny. And I think that that's an important part now of star Wars too. So I don't know, just kind of like what seemed to be one of yeah. the themes over the weekend. Well, I mean, I, I, I think in the end that the teaser was pretty awesome. I think it, uh, you know, so many questions because of the teaser and, you know, we, we don't have too much, much more time to wait yeah. and then we'll be getting, getting what are those to see damn some books? more. So what are those damn books? I just want to know. Oh, I know. Seriously. Anyways. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, I think all of us played the original Battlefront in some capacity, and I, I dropped off actually pretty quickly after a couple of weeks of playing just because I didn't feel like there was a lot of progression. Um, you guys played original Battlefront, right? I, I Yeah, so, I think I played like all of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have questions, though, so go ahead. <laughs> so um, there's been a lot of information. Obviously, the big premiere uh, of the the actual Battlefront 2 trailer uh, popped up uh, here at Celebration. And uh, I can honestly say that I'm beyond excited for it. I think they really went in the right direction with this. Um, there is going to be a, a full campaign this time with an actual narrative. Um, you are going to be playing as a female protagonist, which I think is pretty cool, uh, by the name of Aiden Versio. And she's actually in command of, uh, a bunch of Imperials, like Imperial commando squad called the Inferno squad. And, um, you actually, the game supposedly starts off right around the destruction of the second death star and, um, an Imperial loyalist. So you really believe in, you know, that the empire is, is right in what they do. And you feel that the rebels are actually in a lot of ways, terrorists. And so it's actually going to allow you to play this whole campaign that takes place between return of the Jedi and the force awakens, uh, from the perspective of an Imperial officer, which is just really different, you know, I, I, and I think it's, it's very dynamic and I think it's a kind of a bold and, and interesting choice. Um, and I do feel like there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of gray, a lot of moral gray, because you, you have to think about it. Like the the empire was in control of thousands of worlds, and um, while many of them were oppressed, if you grew up on a world that was mostly you know humanoid uh, and well off, and you know then you were probably fine. If you were like you know part of the the two percent upper crust, you know non exploited. Um, like that's all you that, know. That, it's all you know. And right. You probably that's all you know. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like you know living in in the burbs and and with nothing wrong. So the empire is providing for you. It's protecting you. It's educating you. Uh, and here come these rebels that are like blowing up, 
you know, blowing up your, your space stations and blowing up your, your ports. And uh, of course they're going to be seen as terrorists. So this is uh, from that perspective, um, which I think is very different. And, um, what we do know about how the story is being constructed, um, it's being done by motive. Uh, it is, uh, written by Walt Williams who wrote spec ops, the line, uh, which was, uh, you know, the, the campaign for that game was um, hi, highly, yeah, highly, you know, people really, really liked that. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. Um, Mitch Dyer, who used to uh, be one of the editors at IGN, actually has crossed over and is now writing part of this game, which I think is really interesting. Uh, so you have a, a former games journalist who's actually working on the story for this game, which is neat. And uh, one of the things that I just read about today was that there actually is going to be uh, some form of player choice involved in the game as well. So they're going, kind of going the Mass Effect telltale route with particular decisions that you can make along the course of the narrative, which I think is is pretty neat. So it, I feel like there's actually a bit of depth here. And, um, you know, I don't know exactly how the campaign is going to play out, but, uh, you know, it looks graphically pretty pretty gorgeous and i you know i'm really excited that we're actually going to get this this star wars uh you know this this ca- canonical star wars narrative i think it's pretty cool yeah i mean so, they say there's, oh go ahead matt so the first battlefront was the one that just came out two years ago right yes and that was the one there was no campaign in that though no correct? there were there were no, like there single player missions you could play with bots but they were really just more like skirmishes with like lightly sprinkled objectives in them so that was sort of the quote-unquote campaign which is just single player skirmishes right okay and then so i got really excited because i thought this was a sequel to that old game where you played as the stormtrooper oh the clone republic commando Republic Commando. I think, I think everybody I was like, wants are they making another Republic game? Commando yeah. game? And then, and because I there was a single player narrative, I got all discombobulated. And then for a while, I was like, wait, which one was Battlefront? And then because I keep thinking Battlefield, and then mm. it just it all went to hell in my head real quickly. So, okay, yeah. that straightened it all out. That yeah, everybody. Favorite. I mean, Republic Commando is a fantastic, beloved game, and I, uh, I, I think I, I don't know why we <laughs> were never going to get a sequel to that, but yeah. Um, it was. Inc- I don't even know why we don't have more games like that, which are just like yeah. games where you control, you know, three other people by way of like, you know, predetermined, um, you know, tactical formations, like you know, on the battlefield. Like I don't know why there hasn't been anything like that since. But yeah, um, that game was great. Yeah, it was super cool. I mean, like where where are linear games these days? Like that's really the thing. I feel like there's going to be like a a linear narrative renaissance, like um, after kind of like this current wave of open world like 100 hour you know epic sagas or whatever but well i think i think that's kind of what battlefront 2 is going to be i think it is going to be a a linear experience you know and it might be more akin to something like a halo campaign but i'm fine with that if i can get you know all that star wars tech and and uh, a well-written narrative in the star wars universe like it it's been a really long time since we've had any game with any sort of solid narrative inside the star wars universe oh, yeah yeah i'm i'm uh, absolutely on board with you it just was one of those where i, I got confused over the title with the because i started seeing all the stuff about single player campaign and i was like wait single player like there was no single player in the first one was there did i miss that entire thing and then it looked good and like it actually had writing and, and emotional choices and i was like oh what is happening here so Maybe this is, you know, like in spirit, a sort of like a narrative follow up to some of their old narrative games. So, 
Yep. And, and the good news also, there's a, um, you know, if you are into competitive uh, multiplayer, it's going to have obviously the same big, um, you know, massive, I think it's 40 on 40 battles. That's cool. Um, yeah, in the Star Wars universe, and they're actually changing it up to be class-based this time. It's going to take place over all three major timelines. So there's stuff from um, the Separatists and uh, in the Clone, you know, the Clone Wars, and there's stuff from original trilogy and stuff from the new trilogy in there as well, with all sorts of weapons and vehicles and from from all three timelines, which is just insane to think about and i I, i'm you know i I said this on the panel but i'm a huge fan of the separatist army i love the shitty droids and all their vehicles i just love the design of them so getting to run around as them or at least to fight against them i think is going to be pretty cool and i love you know like a (laughs) right and i love the clones man i thought like their their tech and especially after you watch the clone wars and some of those later seasons like watching the clones do their thing you're like holy cow like they were so badass so um that's gonna be neat um really excited to see where this goes and honestly like this is you know, it's coming out November 11th of this year, and right now it's like probably in you know, at least the top four or five games that are coming out this year that I'm excited about at this yeah. point. I'm 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 on board. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. say uh, no season pass, right? Right. Um, which we don't know what that's going to mean in the future, but uh, you know, they could they could certainly go the Mass Effect route with um, you know upgradable packages. They could just make all the maps free. We don't know yet, but um, at this point, they claim to be claim to have no season pass um and it's going to be i read that it's also going to be uh an ea early access title too so you probably get your hands on it um you know probably five days before the release date which is probably the thursday prior so that's that'll be cool too very cool um well you want to talk about some rebels yeah you went to the panel right yeah so um this was really cool this was uh the Star Wars Rebels, uh, we learned at the panel, you know, Dave Filoni came out with the cast. The whole cast was there and, you know, they talked for a while and, you know, talked about their experiences, did the whole the whole general panel thing. But, you know, about halfway through the panel, he, he's like, you know, I have this announcement. And he's like, um, you know, this is going to be the last season of Rebels. So season four is going to be the last season. And the audience was like, you know really sad because it was you know thousands of people that were huge fans of the show but dave filoni was you know explaining to the audience it's like hey like i didn't get to end clone wars like clone wars ended when they told me it had to end so you know matches finish it it has no ending like (laughs) it just ends so you know he was he's like look now i can i can end in the arc that i want to end it and he's like i can make it more serialized i can basically give it the ending that it deserves and, you know, the problem that they were running into with season four is, and we talked about this in earlier episodes, but it's getting very, very close to Rogue One and uh, episode four like in, in its timeline. So um, it would be very, very hard to stretch out where they are right now with, you know, without them overlapping. So you would have to actually bring the rebels into, you know, the actual Rogue One storyline or episode four. But they're, you know, for the most part, they're not there other than a, a minor cameo. So um, he talked a little bit about that, and and honestly, like it was just great listening to the cast talk. They're, um, you know, a great group of people that are all really talented voice actors, and and also listening to Freddie Prince Jr. Um, actually talk about Star Wars, like he is such he is like a wealth of Star Wars knowledge, and his perspective on Star Wars is just it, it's incredible. I mean, he is like a 
in a lot of ways, he's sort of a student of the force. Like he just really believes in, in, you know, the sort of the Jedi mentality, which sounds super dorky, but he's this sort of Zen dude. And to get him you know, up on stage and, and talking about like what Star Wars means to him and, you know, some of his favorite fights, it was just cool to, um, you know, to see him kind of live doing his thing and talking about it. Um, there was, uh, during during the panel, Dave Filoni actually came out on stage with an Ahsoka Lives T-shirt with a question mark on it. <laughs> and about halfway through the panel, um, he comes back out and the Ahsoka Lives question mark had changed to an exclamation point. Oh and everyone God. in the audience was just kind of like, <laughs> what? And of course, uh, during the panel, he revealed absolutely nothing. Um, but then uh, during the press conference, I was the asshole that very first question. I'm like, Dave Filoni. <laughs> what's up with your t-shirt? And so I actually have, I, I have audio of that, of sort of my exchange with Dave Filoni um, about Ahsoka. So you can hear his response right now. Um, so Dave, I noticed during the panel, you changed the question mark on your shirt to an exclamation point. And I was curious, what was the meaning behind that uh, little, little slick move? It's not called? changed. No, but it's just a question mark. You changed it back again. I, no, I think that was something inside you that you saw. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It could, it could have been exhaustion at this point. But. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh. Looks, that's a question mark. I mean, the printer made it straight up. It looks you like, thank you, though. You might have to take over. Interesting yeah. question. You're, kill, you're, kill, you're yeah. killing me. <laughs> And anyway, so we actually, uh, during the, the Star Wars Rebels panel, we got to see uh, the season four premiere early. I don't want to spoil anything because I know you guys are a little bit behind as well. But um, the season doesn't air until fall of this year. So we got to see it very, very early. You like to watch and the whole episode? The whole episode. Wow. Yeah, the whole season four premiere. Wow, that's um, amazing. You know, four or five months early. And, you know, it, it's absolutely fantastic. I feel like the the quality of the animation has just skyrocketed. It's gorgeous. This episode kind of reminds me a lot of an Indiana Jones episode. There's a, a chase scene that's maybe 15, 20 minutes long with people jumping from vehicle to vehicle. Uh, there's there's all sorts of Mandalorians, jetpack fighting, uh, dark sabers. I mean, it is just like the coolest. It's so much fun at this point. Um, and... Uh, and I feel like the season is going to be much, much darker. So, um, you know, I can't say enough nice things about this whole Star Wars Rebels experience. Um, and I, you know, I just kind of hope that, uh, what, what, I guess one thing I should say, one thing I did learn is that the animation team is not stopping. They are basically going to finish up Rebels and move on to a new property that they have not announced, which I'm assuming they won't announce until the next celebration. Um, or next big, you know, event of some sort, maybe Comic Con or something. Do you, but do you uh, think that Episode Eight will give rise to some conflict that will be conducive to another animated series, perhaps? I don't, you know, I don't know what timeline it would exist in. You know, I don't think they can do it in the original original trilogy timeline. I think that's kind of, uh, you know, kind of sacred time. They're not going to have. You know, I think they'll do original characters again because I honestly feel like. Um, when they do original characters well, they create iconic characters. Like Ahsoka at this point is an iconic character, right? Yeah. And a lot really of people cool. really feel a lot of people feel like the Rebels cast are at this point, like Chopper and and you know Kanan. They are iconic characters, especially for young a young audience. So I feel like the animation team has the capacity to create, you know, all new characters in the Star Wars universe that are voiced by truly talented voice actors that can, you know, stand toe-to-toe with 
the heroes from the original trilogy. So I feel like we'll get an all new cast, um, perhaps set in the uh, the new trilogy timeline. Um, you know, thirty years later, I feel like that would probably make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, have a story running parallel, uh, parallel to you know what's going on in the films. Um, I'd like to see um, you know Billy Lord's character maybe as one of the characters, or Snap, or somebody. You know, who knows? Oh, yeah. But that'd be cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, those are just so anyway. Um, enjoy that audio. I think you guys will like it. It's pretty funny. You guys want to hear about forces of destiny? I do. I mean, we we talked about this briefly uh, at at the at the convention, but maybe we can get into it a little bit more now. Yeah. So I mean, this just was announced. Um, this was announced. I think the night before the convention started, and um, and I think it's really cool. It's uh, it's a it's a new. Like a sh- short animated series called Forces of Destiny, and there's a toy line that goes along with it. Um, it's written by Jen Murrow, who is actually um, one of our, our Twitter pals, and uh, it follows a lot of the female heroes of the Star Wars, um, you know, from Star Wars. So Rey, Sabine, Leia, Jin Erso, Ahsoka Tano, and they're all original short stories voiced by um, the the actors that played those characters. And it's just kind of showing them in, um, you know, sort of inspirational stories about these these characters with all new animations. And I think it's really it's cool. They're going to be like little animated shorts that are appearing uh, on the web, and uh, they're sort of used to inspire and encourage, um, you know, all people to kind of do their own thing and and be heroic, which I think is really really cool. And I think the animation style is really neat too. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, something like, like. Uh, like a Batman the animated series sort of look to the characters. Like Teen Titans or like yeah, you know, yeah. along those lines. It looked good. It, yeah, it looks really, really good. And I'm eager to actually, you know, sit down and watch these when they come out. Um I think it's fantastic. And I think like the you know this is a great time to be a Star Wars fan. And I feel like the fact that Star Wars has become so inclusive and the fact that there are these fantastic, you know, dynamic, incredibly strong uh, female heroes. I would almost say at this point, the females in in Star Wars are more heroic than a lot of the males. Like you look at Ahsoka and Jyn Erso mm. and Leia and Sabine and Rey, and like those are just awesome characters. And I don't even know. Have... I don't even know if it's just more heroic or just like have more depth. Like uh, Ahsoka has a lot of depth from from that series. Jyn had a lot of depth as far as like background and character and who she was growing up. You know, I, I felt like. I feel like that's kind of what's getting fleshed out right now, which is really cool. It's not only are they just like strong, like, cause you could look at you know, some YA stuff and go like, Oh, well there's strong female characters there, but it's like here they feel rooted in something or they feel like real characters who've had not only ups, but downs and also doubts and, and stuff that they've kind of gone through, which I think is cool. So. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I honestly think that, that it's, um, it's just, I think it's awesome. And I think that's one of the things that I really enjoyed seeing at celebration this year was i saw so many families and so many you know young girls dressed up as these characters and 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 just people that were so happy and comfortable kind of living in these characters shoes for a couple days i just thought that was it was just really cool and i think forces of destiny is something that's just going to you know make fandom even stronger and make people even happier so it's awesome yeah i think it's cool is there um did you mention what the release date is for that or did they uh, mention i actually it? didn't i didn't write it down i think it's starting to air this summer from what oh, i awesome. remember reading but cool. yeah, but yeah is it disney xd is that what they're doing or 
I think it's going to be online. Or online. Um, yeah. Let me just double check it real quick. Yeah, it's a micro series. Da, 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 da. Yeah, the toys are 11 inch scale, so they're sort of like, um, sort of like Migos, if you know what Migos are. Yeah, and it'll be uh, it'll be Disney YouTube. A Disney YouTube. Okay, there yep. we go. Looks super cool. Hey, was yeah. this? Um, I'm just remembering. Uh, is Forces of Destiny the phrase that Disney trademarked a couple of months ago, and everybody was like, oh, "What yeah. is this?" And I think it was. I think I think I said it was going to be like a, a iOS free to play card battling game <laughs> yeah yeah um and i'm glad that i'm wrong so uh yeah that's that's awesome that that's what this actually is so just trying to reach into the old brain brain matter here and pull things out that we oh that, i actually did, i didn't mention this but i actually saw felicity jones at the star wars convention mm-hmm. um not not an ugly woman <laughs> <laughs> okay <Jesus>. all right <laughs> <laughs> just thought i'd share that where where Thanks. um do you have any any details regarding your your sighting of her or did- oh well i um this is completely off topic but um my wife for me for a upcoming birthday present uh got me a a signature of sarah michelle geller for my birthday ah so so i uh i got i have this old buffy yearbook that i've been dragging around with me for i'm not even joking 17 18 years at this point Amazing. getting signatures from the buffy cast mm-hmm and uh, she was like one of like I think three maybe that I'm missing at this point, and uh, she was signing I think a couple a couple booths down from Sarah Michelle Geller. and ah. uh, so yeah I had a I got to meet uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, which was pretty pretty cool. That's super Crazy. cool, and it was amazing. It's amazing that the booths were open and you could actually see her because yeah, usually they're yeah. pretty closed off. So yeah, they uh, actually were pretty cool about that. Like, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was cool to see everyone just kind of sitting out there doing their thing. Nice. I would imagine the lines for, for both of those, uh, individuals was quite long. Oh the, man, the line to get the ticket to get in line was like three hours. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> I don't incredible. even, I don't even know. Good yeah. times. All right. Uh, you want to take a quick break and answer some, uh, listener questions? Yes. Let's do it. Hey, this is Ahsoka Tanov, and you're listening to the Rated NA Podcast for NerdAppropriate.com. All right. Uh, so we asked uh, our listeners to come up with some questions for us to answer on our live panel, but we didn't get a chance to get to them on the live panel for the reasons that we discussed at the beginning of this episode. But our first question was from Jaffa Pug, uh, and he says, I'd love a solo movie from a fresh director on a Jedi Master Knight pre-original trilogy Will we see a lost samurai Obi-Wan type of film one day? And I think absolutely. <laughs> We've kind of been over it, but um, you know, you McGregor has been very vocal about wanting to come back. And I think that's the biggest thing. The Does fact really? that you have Yes, he is he's gone on record saying many, many times that he is totally on board with coming back to play Obi-Wan. That's really um, surprising. You know, I always thought he would be like not not at the level of Harrison Ford, like against it, but um but you know he's he's a very prominent actor, and you can, I kind of feel like he can do whatever he wants. He just doesn't seem like the type of person who would want to do that again for fear that maybe I guess at this point he's not going to be typecast because uh, yeah, he's Hugh McGregor. Like, but 
Um, like right. he just revisited train spotting, you know, like I think he is, he's perfectly capable. Like maybe of, he's of just kind of doing a victory lap. He's like, yeah, I'll do Obi-Wan yeah. again. That's cool. I'll do it for my kids or whatever. So, yeah, I think honestly, at this point, all signs are, are sort of pointing toward, yes, there was, um, you know, the Boba Fett movie was actually supposed to come out before this unnamed, you know, new star Wars, uh, standalone film, but that was going to be directed by Josh Trank who did that fantastic four movie. And uh, that Fantastic Four movie didn't fare so well, so they kind of backed away from the Boba Fett film. I see. Uh, which which is sort of in limbo now. So now um, a lot of people are saying that this Obi-Wan film is going to probably probably be announced this summer. Um, and uh, I think it's great. I mean, obviously it would take place you know, prior to episode four, after the end of the Clone Wars, and after the end of the, the Jedi Purge. So I think it, it's a perfect... Uh, a perfect time for for that movie to come out What's, and i think you mcgregor would just be fantastic what what do you what do you think the over under is on on any new material from ewan mcgregor as obi-wan in the last jedi like what's the probability is it even, uh, is it even possible i mean because he spoke a single word in uh in episode seven so uh, i think i think you'll see some obi-wan force ghost i think you'll see some yoda force ghost going on i think so yeah yeah, I really, I really do. I think you'll see. I think you'll see a lot of like I, I know for sure that Frank Oz went and recorded some new Yoda stuff for. Mm. Um, so I mean, you know, and I don't know. I think for sure we'll see them in some capacity. Yeah, that's good. I feel that way too. All, okay, all sitting around the campfire. <laughs> Jeez, playing the playing the the new Ewok song or the old Ewok song. <laughs> Stop it now. Um, oh jeez, not that, that was a different song entirely yeah <laughs> goals. oh man okay love it one hour on loop yep it's the best uh natalie at stumpy nat says will, will we get to see harris promotion to general on rebels also can ezra get tossed out an airlock i'll help i can actually answer this one because it got asked during the press conference um yes you are going to see Hera actually get promoted to general Sindula on this season of rebels by the time the season is over That's so tight. dave filoni himself said it's going to happen by the time the season's over um if you saw rogue one you heard her name over the loudspeaker general Sindula, but she wasn't in rebels but she will become one which is super cool so yes uh as for the ezra question uh who knows i mean he has to die he's not around in episode four that's a good so, point good point you know unless he just gets swallowed into sarlacc pit or something i don't know yeah or unless he goes into some kind of interesting exile and then reappears in episode eight then we don't we don't know Mm -hmm. yeah as you as you alluded to as you said uh speculated about i guess on our on our live panel i guess that's possible too uh haggis mchaggis says uh clone wars slash rebels have incorporated parts of the old eu which part of the old eu canon would you like to see rescued next scott i feel like you're the most qualified for this uh let's well. see oh man the old EU. i mean what would i like to see mara um, jade yeah i mean i i think that would be like the the odds on fan favorite would to, would be to see her rescued um i was thinking more about like like shadows of the empire like that kind of stuff uh you know things that happened i guess kind of rogue one kind of tells some more behind the scenes empire infighting kind of stuff right but I mean, a lot of the stuff that I read was the stuff that happened after the original trilogy, which, you know, obviously all got completely wiped out. Uh, but, you know, there were some great stories that dealt with like Admiral Akbar and uh, Han Solo discovering like new new force wielding people and kind of dealing with like, you know, there was a story that followed like a, 
this like indestructible starship and like all kinds of weird stuff. So I, none of that stuff will ever happen now, but those are still great books at the time. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think when they announced that like all the legacy stuff was just going to disappear, I just kind of accepted it, you know, and decided that at that point I was just going to get on board with the new books and just try to stick with them to the best of my abilities. So, and I'm, you know, and I'm happy with, you know, episode seven, obviously. So I guess in wiping out all that stuff, there's still 30 years in between. So there's probably still stories to be told uh, in the, in the time in between. So maybe we'll get something like that in the future. I feel like there's a lot of Sith history that I wouldn't mind seeing dredged back up. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Because that that kind of like was all in books and games and comics, and wasn't really in the uh, it was in the extended universe, you know. So like it was it was all out there, really. You, there weren't a lot of Sith in any other shows or movies. Yeah. So yeah. Like in, in Kotor, you visit those like Sith temples, yeah. like those like big you know giant statues and things like that, and you're like, oh, there's a there's a history here. They're not just it's just not oh hey we're evil like let's go do some stuff. Yeah. There was like actually a you know, a culture built up around it and probably something to learn about. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think, I think all you get is like the, the offhand mention in the prequels, you know, like, and, and some stuff in clone wars and that's like it really for, yeah. for Sith history. Cool. Yes. Ash, did you have uh, another one or no? Uh, the only thing, thing I can really think of is I would like to see, um, the, uh, Knights of the old Republic, uh, yeah. you know, that, that actually be canon. That would be cool. But it, at this point it was thousands of years ago, so it wouldn't really matter too much anyway. But, you know, seeing like HK 47 or something pop up, um you know in in current timeline would just be fantastic so there's there's a lot of really neat stuff in there or like even if it was just like a like his corpse or something like a a husk of him like just kind of like on a yeah in a shop somewhere like in a in a background shot like just something to the you know as a nod to that era would be nice yeah i agree i agree we have sort of a lightning round questions here from um, a very old friend of mine, Pete. Uh, so I'm going to take a couple of these. Uh, what okay. is a stormtrooper training program like? How long does it last? And are they given weapons training? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> probably not very long and probably not given weapons training. At least the the old stormtroopers, not first order yeah, guys. Didn't seem like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Not the best shots. <laughs> Um, next one is how Sandy is Tatooine exactly. Very Sandy. Uh, what is the threshold to push an individual from the light to the dark side? Um, <laughs> like apparently are grouped together. <laughs> well, I th- I threshold think, to push. I think they are grouped together because, um, you know, Hayden Christensen just really hates sand, you know? So right, that's, yeah. yeah, I think it yeah, gets I think that's everywhere. It. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a solid impression. Thanks. That was really good. Was yeah. Really so good. those two questions are linked. And uh, I don't think it takes a lot, especially if you hate sand. Uh huh. Um, what are the Jawa mating rituals like? Uh, I kind of think that Jawas just rub Jawa cloacas together. That's <laughs> kind of yeah. From what I understand, bird they like are some bird-like yeah, mating. Uh huh. Just you know, just a, a little little rubbing. Why don't you guys take a couple of these? I I think I, I heard they so they fun. I heard they ride single file, so that's oh that's probably how they do it, right? Oh boy. Yeah. But. <laughs> Anyways. Are all protocol droids programmed for maximum annoyingness? I guess so, <laughs> probably, right? Yeah. I mean, do we know of any that aren't? So I mean maybe that was maybe that was uh Darth Vader's original troll was uh was programming <laughs> C three PO to be annoying. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'll show That's everybody. Melissa's favorite like Star Wars character of all time is is the C three PO. C three PO Who's this? Melissa's. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> A weird one to pick, right? You'd think R2-D2, but nope, C-3PO. Yeah, interesting. Uh, 
Conversely, are all astromech droids programmed for wit with minimum language capabilities? <laughs> yeah, of course. It always amazes me that people can understand astromech. Like, and you're like, yeah. what? How do you know what those beeps mean? It's like my favorite thing about Star Wars, though, that like Han can understand Chewie and that Luke can understand R2-D2. But like with they never explain it. They don't even like sort of address it. They just it's just like, yeah, they understand each other. It's totally fine. And you're like, OK. And you just go along with it without questioning anything about it. Yeah. But it's uh, it's always been one of my favorite things. Just zero explanation that, oh, yeah, of course they know each other's language. It's fine. That, that would like, be an okay. interesting story to tell, which is like how some of this tech was originally developed, like the history of the technology, you know, like yeah. there's probably an inventor somewhere who, who, you know, built the first astromech droid as, as the, um, you know, after the production of, of the X-Wing, somebody decided like, Oh, you know what? We probably need to, or which one came first, you know, like at, at what point did somebody decide that you needed an astromech droid uh, to be a part of a, you know, of a star Or was it a droid of another purpose that they were like, Oh, you know, I could reprogram this thing. Yeah. And just, well, like, I mean, you remember with the jet. You remember Obi Wan's Jedi Starfighter didn't have like a astromech. It was kind of more like just the the top of one. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. And then that turned into like then a fully removable, you know, bipedal whatever astromech droid. Um. So I, yeah, I'd like to learn about the history of that. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. There should be like a Wikipedia entry on like astromech droids that tell the history. I'm of the, sure. I'm yeah. sure there, there are. For sure is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is no way there is not. Yeah. I believe you mean the Wikipedia. Mm. The Wikipedia. That's yes. not a joke. That's what it's called. Yeah, you're right. Are all smugglers as skillfully trained in navigation with top techniques as listening lazily to the left to avoid star destroyers? That's that's true. Um, yeah, Han, Star Destroyers Han has some interesting skills. It's like it's Star Destroyers are kind of like I, I think of them as like you know freighters, and so um, you know it's hard to turn the ship like when it's when it's that big, right? So I think if you can just list lazily to the left in like a little sailboat, then yeah, you will you will get away. I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last one is seriously, are there other force users as opposed to the diametrically opposed dark and light users? My, I've read this five times and I'm having a hard time unraveling what this is supposed to mean. So are there force users who are opposed to people who are opposed I know, to diametrically? I think he's saying, are there other force users like that are right. gray that are not either put into this like dichotomous, like dark or light system. Um, I feel like, yes, the, I feel like the, well, there are, right. I mean, that's, that's yes, there are. I think but that's the point I, of the next film. Yeah. But I also felt like, and you know, again, fresh off watching the whole series. So it's in my brain. Mm. Uh, but I felt like the force witches were a lot more gray area than absolutely. Than the Jedi or the Sith. Like you would play them as evil quickly you know like you'd kind of put them in that evil pocket but then a lot of it you realize oh they're just surviving like all they're doing is attempting to survive and like not get pulled in by either side too heavily or anything so i'll tell you and i'll tell you what i think i think that the force switches are an example of something that got plucked out of the old eu and put into clone wars because i yeah. think the notion of a force switch came up in like one of luke's stories or something like probably around the time where he met huh. mara jade so um, right. I don't think that's a, there, a new a new concept. There was also a, a neutral character in Rebels um, season three called the Bendu, who is this just massive. He's kind of like um, actually Freddie Prince Jr. on the panel kind of likened him to the Rockbiter from Neverending Story. Oh, okay. um, he's this just this big hulking sort of like giant humanoid moose kind of creature who is uh, as gray 
of a force user as humanly possible. He's sort of like one with nature. He could give a shit about Jedi. He could give a shit about Sith. He wants nothing to do with any of it. He's just sort of one with a force. And uh, it's a very interesting perspective because it's this creature who's very ancient, who, you know, is force sensitive and uses the force uh, to great ability, but also doesn't, you know, doesn't care about light or dark. Mm-hmm. He, he actually hates both of them because they're annoying to him. So um, it's really interesting. And I, I agree about the forced, uh, the, the, the night sisters as well. I think they're a great example of, you know, just using the force in a different way. Cause the force is just a, it's, it's a, an energy that exists in the universe. Right. Yeah. And um, it's just how you harness and use it. And they, they used it in very different ways, resurrection and possession yeah. and, um, you know, you know, very different from both the Sith and the Jedi. So you could also argue that Chirrut is force sensitive, but, his connection to the force does not define his, I guess, alignment. I feel like he chooses his own alignment and just happens to be force sensitive. So I think in that sense, he is sort of a in-between character too, because his, his ability did not define him. I think his choice to, to kind of protect the Kyber crystals is what defined his alignment. Does that make sure. sense? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. So that's a good yes. example too. Yes. Um, I think we're pretty much done, huh? Yeah, I think that yeah, was good. That's it. I think that is it. I feel like we could wow. have like sidebar discussions on every facet of the Star Wars universe. It was actually fun to do that. I feel like we don't talk specifically a lot about Star Wars on this show because we do a lot of a lot of games and stuff. So it was nice to kind of do like a deep dive into like yeah, it was cool and you know and it, was, it was it was really exciting for them to um, to invite our show to come out there. That was great, and uh, we had a great time at celebration. And hopefully, we get to go and cover the event again in the future. Um, definitely check out episode two sixty nine, which is our live show, and let us know what you think of it. Um, now that you know the secrets behind it. And uh, we have all new stuff coming up. So if you guys want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at NerdAppropriate. You can email us directly. That's Matt, Scott, or Ash at NerdAppropriate.com. We have a Facebook page, which is slash NerdAppropriate on Facebook. Uh, A rarely used Twitch TV channel, which is slash NerdAppropriate on Twitch TV. So we have uh, some stuff coming up that's exciting. And uh, we'll be back next week with all new episode. Bye. See you guys later. Did it a day? Did it a day?